The scripture lesson this morning comes from the 18th chapter of Luke, the 9th through the 14th verses. Listen now to a word from the Lord. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I, I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus tells this parable to those who trust themselves alone and judge others. And Jesus talks to us as these truths age well. We are tempted and sometimes it falls easier to trust only ourselves and to just cast judgment on everyone else. The Pharisee and the tax collector. Revealing a certain arrogance, the Pharisee begins his prayer with gratitude about who he is not. His listing judges others, and then in prayer, he names all the things, all the things he does for the Lord. And I wonder, where does that arrogance reside in me? Where does it reside in the church? And then far off, revealing a certain modesty is the tax collector who challenges himself and pleads for God's mercy. And I wonder, where does that modesty exist in me? And where could we have more of that modesty in the church. Arrogance and modesty. We are both, we are both, and we're not either or. In our kitchen at home, we have a chalkboard next to the stove where we can write menus or leave messages for one another. For about two weeks now, the message has been in all caps, Thursday, underscored, Thursday, bubble letters, extra colors around the Thursday, and underscored is the sentence, I am going to have a productive Thursday. Thursday. Thursday is the last day of the week for me. 
So it's the day I supposedly get everything wrapped up neatly. The Thursday on the chalkboard for me is the arrogance of what I will get done without any interruptions, as if all by myself. The modesty beside that arrogance is everything that I need God's help with in the course of every day. For the church, I can find myself in a pattern of preaching where I craft a sermon narrative about all the things that Idlewild does right. Civil rights, recreation, more than a meal, more than a meal worship, legal clinics, Nakomi, music, adult forums with top-rate scholars. We are the largest church in the Presbytery of the Mid-South. We have the largest amount of members. We have the largest staff, and we get all the work done for Jesus here on Union Avenue because we have committed disciples. Is that arrogance? And sometimes what I do is I turn a corner and I find congregants who sit with a child of God in need, who offer Christ mercy simply in presence. Or I arrive at a congregant's home and I find another congregant sitting with them at a table, one member helping another navigate the practicalities of growing older, of being alone, of feeling lost. Is this modesty? This parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector holds the tension between arrogance and modesty. Jesus seems to be teaching and revealing the contrast of God's way at work in the ways of the world. Religious folk can get tripped up in the arrogance of themselves and miss the truth of a merciful God who cares for the whole of us, who cares for the whole of creation, the broken and the beautiful parts of us. At Idlewild, we are both Reformed and Presbyterian. We live with both the arrogance and the modesty. Who are we and whose are we? We are God's and we are fully human. This is Reformation Sunday, which marks the season when Martin Luther posted his 95 thesis on the doors of Wittenberg Cathedral to protest the sale of indulgences and many other practices of the church falling short of Christ's intentions, practices that pointed to the sinful behavior of humanity, not to God's sovereignty. Today, we sing these three great hymns of the church, hymns that bear witness to our being both Reformed Christians and Presbyterians. It's through our hymns that we claim our, it's one of the ways we claim our identity as a people of God. We are a people of God who believe in a God who has the true and perfect gentleness. We are a people who believe in a God who leads us for mercy's sake in paths of truth 
and of grace. We are a people of God who believe in a God who is a mighty fortress, a bulwark never failing. Whose are we? We are God's. All that we have and all that we are, every breath that we take, every beauty that we see, each caress of kindness and even every strike of venom. Who are we? We are children of God, perfectly imperfect, and we belong to a sovereign God. As Reformed and Presbyterian, we hold to several tenets or ideas, and we have historical documents, our confessions, which help us to name who we are and whose we are with Christians throughout the centuries. We believe that God is sovereign, the ruler of all, our years and even every breath. And we place our trust in the possibility that in every moment of our lives, we are in the presence of a living God. And we entrust our lives and all whom we live, no, not all whom we live, all whom we love. We entrust these people, these creatures, and all of creation to a sovereign God. And we place our hope in the truth that in living and in dying, we belong to God. We live as if God's true and perfect gentleness is for us. The Heidelberg Catechism begins with a question. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It's my interpretation, but I want you to hear the whole of the answer. What is your only comfort in life and in death? that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and he has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. As God's nature is sovereign, as humans we are sinful and we're totally depraved. As Christians, when we speak about the human condition, we recognize our tendency towards idolatry and tyranny. We want to trust in our own ways. I've got that. It's all under control. Thank you very much. I don't need your help. Thanks. I'll get back with you later. I won't. We don't want to trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Who needs a Savior when we can call the right lawyer? We can get ourselves to the best doctors. 
best therapist. We can take care of ourselves by ourselves, right? The brief statement of faith reminds us of our sinfulness and of God's sovereignty. But we rebel against God and we hide from our creator. Ignoring God's commandments, we violate the image of God in others and in ourselves. We accept lies as truth. We exploit neighbor and nature and threaten death to the planet, which has been entrusted to our care. We deserve God's condemnation, yet God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. Living in a sovereign God's grace as fully human is a challenge. And for some throughout history, it's been outright dangerous. The Durands were a faithful family. They were French Huguenots, Protestants in the 16th and 17th century, who followed the teachings of the Protestant reformer, John Calvin. They lived under the French crown in a time when being a reformed Christian was perilous. The St. Bartholomew Massacre in 1572 saw the murder of up to 70,000 French Huguenots under the direction of the queen. The Durands, as a family, read their Bible together in the evenings. They organized and attended assemblies that they called the desert, where Huguenots came together to worship. Turned in by a neighbor, the mother of the family was arrested, imprisoned, and died in prison. The father, the son, and the daughter were also imprisoned. The daughter for 38 years. Imprisoned in this castle in France, the daughter Marie reportedly scratched the word resistance, resist, into the stone wall of the castle where she was imprisoned. For Marie's family, they resisted. Maybe they resisted because they believed in the watchwords that the church is reformed and always being reformed by the word of God. Maybe they resisted because they knew the truth that our lives can turn to making a factory of idols so that we deny a sense of Christ righteousness. And in denial, we can miss the truth of following a risen savior. This week, Courtney Vesey, who is a member of ours who is studying to become a minister of word and sacrament at Austin Seminary, sent me a text which was a picture from John Calvin's Institutes. It was a piece that she was reading, and it's a snippet that reminds us of who we are and whose we are as gods. Reading from Calvin. Thus it is that we may patiently pass through this life with its misery, hunger, cold, contempt, reproaches, and other troubles, content with this one thing, 
that our king, our sovereign, will never leave us destitute, but will provide for our needs until our warfare is ended and we are called to triumph. Let there be no doubt about that arrogance of the Pharisee and the modesty of the tax collector which lives on in us. We might want to chalk up arrogant reminders which point to our sinful nature and confess in modesty our need for a gracious, merciful God. But here's what I know is true on this Reformation Sunday. It is true that the ways in which we serve at Idlewild, whether on the pastor nominating committee or at more than a meal, delivering communion, or securing adult forum speakers, setting up legal clinics and preparing for an Advent collegium, passing plates as an usher, or coming as a new officer to training this afternoon, serving on the wedding committee last night, or helping to bury the ashes of one of our own this afternoon, or working with Micah, or writing a history book of the history of Idlewild. These practicalities, these are the ways that we are gathered and the ways that we serve, ways of resistance. Ways in which God in Christ calls us to serve as vessels, servants of a living Lord. We might not be thanks be to God, locked up in a castle in France for 38 years. But we are to resist the ways of the world, the negativity and cynicism wrought by the whispering of doubt and the distrust which is cultivated in uncertainty. We are to serve in faith, trusting in a gracious God who has the whole of our lives in his sovereign care. We belong to God, and to be reformed and always reforming by the word of God means an openness to the lordship of Christ, both trusting in his provision in our lives and his calling to us in service. Without pretense and with great reformation hope, to God be the glory now and forever. Amen.